Um, I lost. <laughs> I lost. And I, you know I hate to lose. You guys know that about me. Travis won. We give it up to Travis. First River Church Championship. I'll, I'll tell you, though, he's got, got better, uh, better character than I do because minutes before the game started, I, my star wide receiver went out with an injury. And so he was out. And Travis texts me, and he's like, hey, buddy, put somebody different in. you got to put him in because, because Amari Cooper's not playing. I would not have done that. <laughs> I'd, like, I'd have left him in there, right? Like, yeah. So he's a good guy, too. So he deserved to win. He deserved to win. He's a, he's a good guy. You guys excited to get in the Word this morning? I'm pumped. I'm pumped. You know, we did a four-part Noah series. Did you guys enjoy that? Yep. I, we're kind of working our way into Genesis, but we decided to start with Noah. That's just what I felt like God wanted us to do, so that's what we did. But today, we are going to kick off Genesis chapter 1 um, for 2024. And then next week, I haven't quite decided exactly what I'm going to preach out of Genesis yet. But after that, we are going to move into a marriage series. So it'll be a four-week, four-part out of Genesis 2 and 3. So we're going to look at Genesis 2 and 3 from a different little perspective. Now, if you're here this morning and you're single, no, I, I believe you're going to get something out of it. So just bear with me, right? So don't, don't, don't not come to the church because of that. But we're going to talk about marriage, and, I, and I'm super excited about that. It'll end the week of Valentine's Day. So start planning your date night now. It'll be good. Um, but we're going to, we need healthy marriages in the church. Amen? It's important. We got to have it. And I understand there's free will and things happen, but it's important to love one another and live a scriptural, biblical marriage. Um, all right. Genesis 1, chapter 1. I'm going to read 26 verses. So just stick with me. We love the Word of God. So can I say, can you say, I love the Word of God? Okay. All right. Verse 1. In the beginning, God recreated the heavens and the earth. That's the one I think everybody has memorized, right? Everybody understands that, right? The earth was without form and void, and darkness was over the face of the deep. And the Spirit of God was hovering over the face of the waters. And God said, let there be light. And there was light. And God saw the light was good. And God separated the light from the darkness. And God called the light day, and the darkness he called night. And there was evening, and there was morning the first day. And God said, let there be an expanse in the midst of the waters, and let, let it separate the waters from the waters. And God made the expanse and separated the waters that were under the expanse from the waters that were above the expanse. And it was so. And God called the expanse heaven. And there was evening, and there was morning the second day. And God said, let the waters under the heavens be gathered together into one place, and let the dry land appear. And it was so. God called the dry land earth. And the waters that were gathered together were called seas. And God saw that it was good. And God said, let the earth sprout vegetation, plants yielding seeds, and fruit trees bearing fruit in which is their seed, each according to its kind on the earth. And it was so. And the earth brought forth vegetation, plants yielding seed according to their own kinds, and the trees bearing fruit in which is the, their seed, each according to its kind. And God saw that it was good. And there was evening and there was morning the third day. And God said, let there be lights in the expanse of the heavens to separate the day from the night. And let, let them be for signs and for seasons and for days and for and years. 
And let them, be, let them be lights in the expanse in the heavens to give light upon the earth. And it was so. And God made two great lights, the greater light to rule the day and the lesser light to rule the night and the stars. And God set them in the expanse of the heavens and gave light on the earth to rule over the day and over the night and to separate the night from the darkness. And God saw that it was good. And there was, a nerve, there was evening and morning the fourth day. And God said, let the waters swarm with swarms of living creatures and let birds fly above the earth across the expanse of the heavens. So God created the great sea creatures and every living creature that moves with which the waters swarm according to their kinds and every winged bird according to its kind. And God saw that it was good. And God blessed them saying, be fruitful and multiply and fill the waters and the seas and let birds multiply on the earth. And there was evening and there was morning the fifth day. And God said, let the earth bring forth living creatures according to their kinds, livestock and creeping things and beasts of the earth according to their kinds. And it was so, and God made the beasts of the earth according to their kinds and the livestock according to their kinds and everything that creeps on the ground according to its kind. And God saw that it was good. Then God said, let us make man in our image after our likeness. And let them have domin- d- d- excuse me, dominion over the fl- fish of the seas and over the birds of the heavens and over the livestock and over all the earth and every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. And there's just so much to, um, in, to unpack there, right? And we could probably spend three or four or five weeks minimum and just go through a lot of, a lot of things. But I just felt like the, that God really wanted to to break this down in a certain way this morning. See, all scripture, it, it starts with an introduction. God saying, this is who I am. So for 35 times in the first chapter of Genesis, God uses the word Elohim, God, right? He's making an introduction. What happens when you introduce yourself to somebody? What's one of the first things you do? Hi, I'm Steve, right? God's saying, it's me. Like, like I... This is who I am. Not only that, but sometimes when you introduce yourself, you say, this is what I do, right? And God is saying, I did it. It's me. This is me, right? He answers one of the age-old fundamental questions that we all have had. Where did all this come from? Where did, where did everything in the universe come from? And God's saying, I did that. That was me. And one thing that we understand is that the more sophisticated and complex something is, the more intelligent the designer, right? We kind of understand that. If it's complex and sophisticated, the guy that created it has to be intelligent. Paul points this out in Romans chapter 1. He says this, he says, For his invisible attributes, namely his eternal power and divine nature, have been clearly perceived ever since the creation of the world. In the things that have been made, so they are without excuse. God saying, it's me, I'm guilty. Everything that you smell, you taste, that you see, that you touch, I created it. It all exists because I did. He wants you to know that. And that's Genesis chapter one. You know, one of the silliest ideas, there's this popular idea out there right now. And, and, and I've talked to people about it that is this idea that everything that exists is just, it has always been eternal, right? So one time I was having this conversation with this atheist and, and we were talking and, 
And, he's, and I was explaining, you know, where did everything come from? Like, you know, everything's sophisticated and it's complex. And, and the, the chances of it happening are so, so minuscule. Like, wh- where did everything come from? And, he's like, and I said, there must be a God, right? There has to, if there's a creation, there has to be a creator. And he's like, no, I don't think so. I think everything's just eternal and has always been here. To which I responded, you have more faith than I do. Yeah. That's faith, folks. Like, man, that's pretty good. The mathematician, the philosopher Isaac Newton, one time built this revolving solar system. So he used belts, he used cogs, he used gears. And at the center of the solar system was the sun. And then around it were these planets, Earth, Mars, Venus, Mercury, and they're rotating as if they would around the solar system. Very, in his time, very complex, right? Like it was pretty intelligent design. And so he has a really good friend who's an atheist, who's an unbeliever. And his friend comes in, and, and, he, and, he, and he is just amazed at this thing. And he says, he says, my dear Newton, who built this for you? And Newton, not missing the opportunity, says, nobody. And he's, nobody built this for you? And his response was just so good. He says, that's right, Nobody. All of these balls and cogs and belts and gears just happened. And to come together and wonder of wonders, by chance they begin revolving. And their set orbits and in perfect timing. His unbelieving friend got the point, right? Like, where did it come from? And God's saying, that's me. I did it. The universe from the stars and the planets, the cells that make up life, the atoms that make up everything are sophisticated and complex. And the more, intel- the more, the more sophisticated and complex something is, the intel- that's the more intelligent the designer, right? In fact, Psalms 19 says this, the heavens declare the glory of God and the sky above proclaims his handiwork. You know, ancient people, when they would have walked outside and saw the nighttime sky, they would have been amazed at all the stars, right? You know, the sky looks a lot different. Do you guys know that? The sky looks a lot different today than it did then. Even 150 years ago, the sky looks a lot different. The, the light that we have pollutes out the sky and the stars. So in an, some, somebody 150 years ago would have walked out and saw the sky and would have been just amazed at this incredible scenery. If you ever get a chance, look it up online, like skies before there was lights. And, and it's incredible, like what people for, for most generations experienced every single night. And the heavens declare God's glory. Some of these numbers come from 2021, so this has changed a little bit, but... But, you know, the estimated observable universe, they estimate has 200 billion galaxies. Now, that's growing a little bit since 2021. But the estimation is 200 billion galaxies. And every single galaxy they, 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 they believe has hundreds of billions of stars. That's big. You guys know that's big, right? The Milky Way galaxy, our own galaxy, it's estimated has 100 billion stars. The average distance between one galaxy to the next galaxy is 20 trillion miles. And God said, I just spoke that in existence. That was me. I did that. It's bigger and more complex and sophisticated than you could ever even imagine. And yet, God said, I just spoke it. I just said it. And that was it. And it came to be. 
I one time had this wonderful Christian man who's a longtime conspiracy theorist. And I gave out similar numbers one time, and he looks me dead in the eyes after it's over, and he goes, if any of that is even true. <laughs> yep. Okay, so, then, so that's our text in the beginning, right? But this is kind of the meat of what I wanted to get to. Verse 27, there's a change in the text. And you don't pick up on it in English. But if you were to read it in the original Hebrew, there, there's a change. Let me read it to you. In verse 27, we'll finish out the chapter here. It says this. So God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him. Male and female, he created them. Do you guys see how each line is separated in most of your Bible translations? That's important. We're going to come back to that. Verse 28. And God blessed them, and God said to them, Be fruitful and multiply, and fill the earth and subdue it, and have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the birds of the heavens and over every living thing that moves on the earth. And God said, Behold, I have given you every plant yielding seed that is on the face of all the earth. And every tree with the seed, its fruit, you shall have them for food. And to every beast of the earth, and to every bird of the heavens, to everything that creeps on the earth, everything that has the breath of life, I have given every green plant for food. And it was so. And God saw that everything that he had made, and behold, it was very good. Which changes this phrase there, right? It's interesting that right after man, he changes, it's very good. And there was evening and there was morning, the sixth day. I'm sure most of you guys have heard of AI by now, artificial intelligence. It's been all over the news, right? Like they, I'm confident that AI, for the good and probably even the bad, is going to completely change the world in 20 years, right? They're creating things now with AI that is mind-blowing. It blows my mind, and they're just getting started. One of the things you can do with artificial intelligence is you can have it right for you now. Has anybody done this? Anybody tried this? Sherry, okay, a few of us have, right? So if you go to like GPT chat and you say, I want you to write this, it will write for you. So I gave it a try. Called my brother up, said, let's do this. So we had it write love poems to our wives. Yeah. <laughs> and so both of our wives are from Arizona. And, and so we present it to them as, hey, this is a competition. Which one do you think is written better? Like, we wrote it. And you know what my wife said? This is how well she knows me. As I'm reading her the poem, she goes, Steve, you did not write this. <laughs> yeah, she really did. <laughs> to which, of course, I acted all offended, but of course I didn't really write it, right? But there was this glimmer before we told the truth and had a really good laugh there was this glimmer of like, my, our wives felt really, really loved, right? Because poetry is important. It's important to us. It means something to us. God put that inside of us. At the Davenport Spokane, I was there the day after Christmas. There's a plaque of a guy that wrote poetry for four years while he was at the Davenport. He's long gone, but still celebrated today. Because it's meaningful to us. Poetry has meaning to us. Poetry, not always, but is often an expression of love, right? That's why our wives felt loved in those moments. Well, in Genesis chapter 1, verse 27, you have the first poetry in Scripture. If you go to the original, now we lose a little bit of this in English, but you go to the original Hebrew, and that's written poetically. 
Let me read it to you again. For God created man in his own image. The image of God, he created him. Male and female, he created him. The first time God uses poetry in Scripture is to describe creating you and I. Adam and Eve. Breathing life into Adam and Eve. We are his love poem. We are the the crown jewel of his creation. And he wanted to express that in these verses. Think about this. As crazy big as the universe is, beyond our comprehension, right? And as sophisticated as it is, and as complex as it is, he doesn't write poetry about that. As as complex as, as living organisms on earth are, and the environments that we're in, and the cells that we have, and the way that our bodies function, which we still don't fully understand, right? He didn't write poetry about that. The, the, in fact, the, the only thing that he writes poetry about in Genesis chapter 1 is Adam and Eve, his crown jewel. It's a love poem. It's, it's him celebrating the creation of man, made in his own image. Right in Genesis 1, God writes you a love poem. He thought of you when he did this. And I want you to notice something about creation that I think is going to show us a characteristic of God. If you notice, day one, God creates light. And then on day four, he creates the sun and the moon and the stars. Okay, did you guys pick up on that, right? Day two, he separates the waters from the sky, so essentially creating sky, and then he fills them with fish and with birds. So then on day three, he causes dry land to appear, and on day six, he fills it with animals, and he fills it with people. God is forming, and then he fills. And he forms, and then he fills. It's a characteristic that he has. And I want to propose to you this morning that he does the same thing with your heart. That he, that, he is, that he does the same thing. He wants to form your heart and he wants to fill your heart. You are the crown jewel of his creation. You are his love poem. In Genesis chapter 1, you get this pottery type scene. Let me, verse 2 says this. The earth was without form and void. And darkness was over the face of the deep, and the Spirit of God was hovering over the face of the waters. So when you think about this, like to create pottery, what do you have to have? You have to have clay, you have to have water, you have to have hands, and you have to have the mind of the artist, right? Four things. Well, here you have the earth, you have water, you have the Spirit of God, and you have the artistic mind of God, because God is creative. He's artistic. And, and, and so a lot of people have said, like in Hebrew, this is almost like pottery expression here, is being expressed here. And I want to propose to you that your heart is like pottery unto God, that he wants to form it and he wants to fill it. Sometimes we resist him, don't we? We don't always like that. Sometimes his creation rebels and says, well, I know you love, wrote me a love poem, but I want to do my own thing. In fact, it's expressed here in Isaiah 45. 
Woe to him who strives with him who formed him. A pot among earthen, earthen pots. Does the clay say to him who forms it, what are you making? Or your work has no handles. Stop striving with God. Allow him to form you and fill you. Allow him to form you and fill you into what he had designed you to be. By the way, isn't it, isn't it interesting that the, the first day God creates light, right? He creates light, and then you have the first day and night. So we know at that point the earth is on a rotation because you have that, but it's before he creates the sun and the moon. Now, a lot of people, a lot of, a lot of skeptics have doubted that. But isn't it interesting that the Bible ends the exact same way that it begins? In Revelation chapter 22, it says, And night will be no more. They will need no light from the lamp or the sun, for the Lord God will be their light, and they will reign forever and ever. In the very beginning, day number one, the light was the Lord. At the very last day, when Jesus comes back and sets everything straight, guess what? The light will still be the Lord. It begins and ends the exact same way. That's a sermon for a day, maybe for another day. But he wants to form your heart and he wants to fill it with light. Let me show you this in 2 Corinthians chapter 4. In the case of the God of this world has blinded the minds of unbelievers to keep them from seeing the light of the gospel, the glory of Christ, who is the image of God. So Jesus is the image of God and we are the image of God, right? Remember, we are God's poetry. We're his crown jewel. Verse 5. For what we proclaim is not, a, not ourselves, but Christ, Jesus Christ is Lord. For ourselves as a servant of Jesus Christ, for, the, for God who said, let light shine out of darkness. He's referencing the first day. Let light shine out of darkness. Has shown in our hearts to give the light of, of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. But we have this treasure in jars of clay. Do you guys pick up on this? We are God's pottery. Right? He wants to form us and he wants to fill us with that light. To show that the surpassing power belongs to God and not to us. God wants to form your heart and he wants to fill your heart, much like he did to the earth. He wants that light to be inside of your heart. 1 Corinthians chapter 15 says this, The first man was from the earth, a man of dust. The second man is from heaven. And was the man of dust, so also are those who are of the dust. And, is the, and as is the man of heaven, so also are those who are of heaven. Just as we have, been, have borne the image of the man of dust, we shall also bear the image of the man of heaven. We are image bearers of Jesus Christ. And he is the light of the world. He wants to form us, and he wants to fill us. Right? It's God's redemptive plan right from the beginning. He is the artist. He is the creator. By the way, God's creative ability is so unique. We can only create from what he, is, what he has already given us, right? Did you know that Hebrew word create is only ever used in reference to God? Isn't that awesome? Because only he can create like God can create. 
In Jesus' day, there was a ceremony that the Jews would have. They called it the, the illumination ceremony. It was in celebration of the Shekinah glory of God when, they, when the light of God led Israel for 40 years in the wilderness. And so it is believed that when Jesus says the words that I'm about to read to you, that he is in the temple treasury. They had just celebrated this, this illumination ceremony, and there was torches that have just been extinguished. So that's the setting for what I'm about to read to you. So he's in the, he's in the treasury. The torches have just been extinguished, and Jesus says this. Again, Jesus spoke to them saying, I am the light of the world. All of a sudden the light went out and Jesus says, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will not walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. Share if you want to come up. They had just celebrated the Shekinah glory. They had just celebrated the light of God. And Jesus says, much like God did in Genesis 1, it's me. That's me. I created that. I want to form you, and I want to fill you, and I want to cause you not to walk in darkness. See, you don't have to walk in the darkness of this world. You can walk in the light. You can be formed and filled with the light of God, and he will lead you, and he will guide you. And you know what the active agent is there? What was the active agent in Genesis 1? Who was hovering over the earth? Spirit of God. Spirit of God yet again comes to your heart and he starts chiseling away that heart of stone. Chip, 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 chip. And he begins to mold it and form it. And before too long, you don't have those anger issues anymore. And before too long, you can love people that are struggling because you have compassion, because Jesus had compassion. Before too long, you stop, stop watching those things on the internet that you shouldn't be watching anyway. Or you overcome those addictions. And before too long, as he forms you and transforms you, you begin to begin to fill with light. And here's the thing. Light can't be contained. The darkness will always flee from it. And you will shine forth the love of Christ in your life. That's what he's forming you to do. He's forming and he's filling so that you can shine forth and be the light of Jesus in this world, not to walk in darkness. Let him do that because God's a respecter. If you tell him no, if you're Isaiah 45 and you say, I'm not doing that, okay, you've made your decision and your choice. Would you stand to your feet this morning? I'm going to pray, and then we're going to end, and Sherry's going to sing a little bit. But I just want to encourage you. The couple people want to come over. The prayer team wants to come forward. I want to encourage you this morning. If you're like, you know, I don't know that I have that light. I don't know that God has ever formed me. I'm not 100% sure that's ever happened in my life. Would you, would you just come and pray with one of these people? They will, they, like Pete said in the very beginning, it all starts with prayer. That's the first step. And what I have always found is that when you take one step towards God, he comes a running. And he will embrace you and love you. That's all it takes. Just one, Jesus, I don't know about all this, but I know I need you. And that's all it takes. And he comes a running. He wants to form you and fill you. So these wonderful people will be up here to pray with you about any concern that you have. Whatever happens with you, 
and them it stays between you and them amen let's pray lord i thank you that you are a creative god an artistic god a god that when you speak things happen things change Lord, I thank you that we are your poetry, your love poem. We didn't deserve that, Father. I don't even know why you love us sometimes, but we know that you do. Lord, I pray as you form us and mold us into to who you want us to be, I pray, Father, fill us up with your Holy Spirit. Fill us up with that light that's going to shine forth, that's going to reach the nations, that'll change other people's life. Lord, I ask for revival through our forming process and our filling process, Jesus, that you would change other people's lives. And I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. You're dismissed this morning, but like I said, do not hesitate. These wonderful people are up here to pray with you, and Sherry's going to sing as we're doing it. God bless you. We'll see you next Sunday.